0: Welcome to No Nonsense with Pamela Wallen. We're here today with Greg McDougall and Steve Saunders. They are the brains behind Government Analytics, a company designed to help Canadians make sense of big government data. Literally thousands of pages of information that the government collects on just about anything you can imagine. And of course, it usually sits on a shelf. Steve is a software analyst who has co-founded tech companies and worked at IBM. And Greg has been advising governments and professionals on public policy and risk assessment for over 30 years. Okay, so here's from your latest report, Canada's household debt, corporate debt, not-for-profit debt, federal debt, provincial debt, and now municipal debt is among the highest in the G7. The COVID costs are gonna continue uh, for a while. (laughs) Can we sustain this?
1: No, uh, the, uh, the difference here is, and I like to use the analogy of the Parisian condo, all right, the the, the home or the apartment Parisian in Paris that that where the mortgage gets handed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Now I have no idea if that's true. It's just a myth <laughs> I've heard somewhere along the line. It makes sense to me yeah. because uh, the square footage uh, of an apartment or condo in Paris is probably a hell of a lot more than in in Saskatchewan. Yeah. and the only <laughs> reason I say that is. If Canadians accept that that may be the reality, I think sure, yeah, we can I think so, but it's th- th- this transition that's going to occur, and-, and neither Steve or I are economists, right, right. But is is the silent um, liquidation, the silent insolvency that's going to quietly happen, is 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 really going to hurt because, um, and so the people that go through that. Like how long can restaurants hang on?
0: Exactly.
1: And then, and, and like this isn't rocket science. And then they're asked to come back and only put half the chairs in the restaurant.
0: Right. Well, and the then mar- they might be shut down again.
1: And, and the margins were so low to begin with. Right. So the, that's it's it's moving us away. If if we do anything, it's moving us away from this this discussion about gdp mm-hmm. uh, ratio to right. and so on and just saying look there are real people here
0: does that actually mean anything because governments always use it as a defense that our debt to gdp ratio is in really good shape compared to everybody else blah 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 in the g7 does that mean anything anymore when i think what the the numbers i saw the it's up to a hundred and sixty-six percent our debt is a portion of gdp right? and so
1: there <laughs> and that's where others the reason we said it was one of the highest in the g7 is because we have data to show that yeah and in the report you were speaking about that's weekly we we had right below that assertion the graphic that showed that yes indeed it was the highest in the g7 so it means stuff to people who it needs to mean stuff to yeah but as we've discovered through even, we, we go and find data everywhere. So StatsCan says that local economies are driven by 80 to 90% of small business. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're talking about Lethbridge and... Uh, Saskatoon, w- Sa- Moose well, uh, Wadena. Wadena. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I missed the D. Wadena. And so in that same report, we identified five cities. Paradise, Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Um, High River. High River, right. Wadena. Dina. Uh, mayor Machi and uh, St- and Saint Hyathan's in Quebec. Right. And we went in and we looked at their um, fiscal budgets,
2: their revenue. Their, their revenue tax, tax total revenue, tax revenue to total revenue. And, and you're high asking high- and you're
1: asking the question does, it, does the GDP to income does yeah. the ratio mean anything there? And I can tell you it probably means a lot less. Yeah. And it means a lot less because the companies that are going to shut down quietly Mm-hmm. And Because what happens with these things, <laughs> it's sad, it hasn't happened to me, is you go into receivership,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you call someone, and it, the lawyers know this, and the guys show up and say, put your pens down, and then they esc- escort you to the door. Yeah. And I buy ice cream at the Mary Dairy here in Ottawa, which is a fabulous place to get to buy ice cream, and I'm talking to the owner, and he said, Tracy's went under. And I said, what? Tracy's Dairy in Renfrew. On long the supplier, weekend, of course, the supplier, family yeah. business, eighty years. Nobody knew. Yeah, and now it's not Hertz Rent a Car. It's not <laughs> in yeah. there. and and, there. and this yeah. is a small little company yeah. hires kids, and they have to their supply. He said, and in big words like the guys with the GDP to ratio talk about. Yeah. the vo- the supply chain is volatile for the ice creams producers yeah. in, in Ottawa, and it that volatility exists straight up to the Bank of Canada. So our report and the value of our report. Is that we nobody looks at the Bank of Canada? They're up to five a half a trillion dollars, five hundred billion dollars in, in purchases on behalf of the people of Canada.
0: They're trying to keep the provinces from going bankrupt. So they're, they're trying to buying keep their debt as the, it were. There's there's eight billion dollars yeah. of that,
1: and there's four hundred and fifty billion going into the banks so they stay liquid. Wow. In the small community of Adena and Paradise, the liquidity is driven by the small businesses. Exactly. In the
0: banks, who were forced to shut their doors yeah. and and didn't nope. qualify for government programs because they were mom and pop shops, husband and wife run the bakery, or they or they
1: have to eat humble pie and go get income support, right? And they've never been wanting to do that all their life, and they told their kids they shouldn't do that. Yeah. And yet they so it's very complicated, and the volatility is very very real. Yeah. And it, so for guys like us who are two Joes or doing this data stuff, we get really grumpy when the governor, the retiring governor of Bank of Canada, says, Well, we can see some things turning around.
0: And I'm sure you can. Yeah but it's really, really hard. Fast enough and where? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a little earlier. So head of CMHC, Evan Settle, says household debt. So these are these are yeah. people. This is what it's going to yeah. mean in my house and yours. Household debt could reach more than 200% of disposable income. Most people think we're all already there. Uh, Jack Mintz says we've hit $3.2 trillion in our debt burden. Like the can't like These are numbers that people can't imagine, But if you are spending 200% of your disposable income, it can't last. A number of things.
1: Jack Mintz is the economist of the University of Calgary, has has been speaking in an echo chamber for a number of years. Yeah. Right? It's really sad. Debt is the issue. And it isn't the the debt-to-GDP ratio for the federal government. It's the combination of all of them. And that's what we try and bring to to the table. The other part of this is... You and I went through the 90s where Mr. Martin and, and Mr. Gretchen, who used to, back when, say, oh, the deficit, that it didn't matter. And then he was challenged with yeah. dealing with it yeah. because of the, the, um, the Wall Street Journal said something about Mexico and the peso and the Canadian dollar and all that stuff. Yeah. And then within a few short days, not unlike March that we experienced, but not as bad, um, Mr. Martin went around slashing. And I have never had a family doctor since then. I go to clinics because so there are real yeah. outcomes. Yeah. And so there are going to be real outcomes as a result of what happened in marriage.
0: Well this and, is but we're not talking about it. This is this is the problem. We we're talking about recovery projects and is our recovery going to be green and all these nice things. But how I mean, this is putting Humpty Dumpty back together again in a very, very complicated um, and Humpty Dumpty is going to look a lot different, and Hum it's going to look very, very different, and some of what we all do is not going to exist uh, exist anymore. So, how do we start to do that? I mean, you're you're number crunching, you're looking, and I, I want to raise the infrastructure issue because people said that at the beginning. You know, this is the time now. Uh, build highways and get that pipeline done and shovel ready infrastructure shovel ready infrastructure so I read the other day that there are 20,000 infrastructure projects that the minister has declared are out there and actually there's 52 but the story was about 20 um, and nobody can find them the parliamentary budget officers going I don't know we don't have any record of this are we actually doing any infrastructure projects at this crucial time
2: uh, so, so I, I've been looking at this infrastructure since 2016, I did 2016, 17, 18, and then I, I took a look at it in 2020. So in 16, 17, 18, for the Finance Committee, uh, the data I had was Infrastructure Canada, mm-hmm. but it turns out that that's only the projects they manage, and I think it was in uh, 2017, 18, the, uh, the federal government had, you know, was trying to push infrastructure spending, and they said individual departments were going to manage their own infrastructure project. Well, that data is just, you can't find it anywhere. It's not publicly available. So and it's
0: border security, and it's agriculture, yeah, there, there it's are,
2: everything. Yeah, there are okay.
1: 31 departments wow. that in, two, I think, 2016, the, they, yep. an, they announced out of the blue, and I, I don't know in an election or something, that 31 <laughs> departments will be... So you have Infrastructure Canada as Steve articulated doing this bang up job and then you have the poor and, and literally <laughs> the poor guys at Indigenous Services right. who are going through a restructuring Health Canada that's going through a restructuring cuz 70% of their departments going to Indigenous Services and in the back chamber somewhere is someone stuck with managing their infrastructure projects so how do you get data yeah. out of them?
2: Yeah, how do you exactly? So uh, the PBO agreed to do a survey of all these uh, d- all departments to get all their uh, project data, and then they were kind enough to pass it along. So then I could compile a more comprehensive picture, mm-hmm. and it turns out I think it was thirty-seven percent of the total uh, number of projects was came in. In addition, well, it was thirty seven percent of the hundred of the total what came from additional departments. So that's information that I didn't have before gives okay. you a more comprehensive picture. The thing is, what I found when that data came in was I mean, these are, are departments that aren't used to doing this. Right. It was it was a mess, like the data was a mess, right? Like the places were misspelled and maybe in the wrong province and so <laughs> I had to clean it up a lot. I mean, not their fault. I mean they're not used to managing this stuff, right? right? So So
1: that's the gap. Amazing. That's where, and, and, and Steve was working, we were in different camps at that point, but Steve was, and when I say that, different employers, working for the Committee at National Finance, right. right? And so the PBO was giving the committee some of their findings that he was crunching. It wasn't our firm at that time. Right. And so, okay. uh, and that's where they get exasperated, and and our firm, we go and look for data. We go and try and find raw data. We don't speak to anything that isn't. We're not opinionated in that sense. And so uh, that's, I guess, led to more of the creation of what we're doing.
0: But I'm coming back to this question. Like, are there infrastructure projects out there? You say that there are, Mm. It just we may not be able to find it through the data, and therefore people
2: can't explain it. Right. So for sure. So the last time PBO did a survey was in 2018. And so at that time... So at that time, I, I just have here uh, two thousand eighteen approved projects since April first, two thousand sixteen, was eleven thousand mm-hmm. uh, six hundred and thirty one April two thousand eighteen. So that was the last time I had a comprehensive list of yeah. infrastructure projects. <clears throat> January, when I did it again, January, it was just the Infrastructure Canada data, okay. and. So they had 5,967. So it it dropped from, you know, 11,600 to 6,000, like a 50% drop. But that's just because I don't have access to all the data from all the departments. And I'm sure it's increased since 2008, Mm -hmm. two years ago. But that's sort of the void that I have. So uh, money's
0: out there. There are projects somewhere. We see activity here, there, and everywhere. So it's funded by somebody, usually in part by government. When you're uh, so that they can put big signs up, all governments love love to do that. We just don't know if it's targeting the problem. If we're actually
1: or you don't really know if the project exists, and
0: I'm not saying it why? doesn't.
1: You take you take it at the the word of the official, yeah. whoever the official is. But and it may you, exist
0: on paper, it may it, be and And it would approved. have to, I'm, yeah. I've been in
1: departments all my yeah. life, and, and it does, yeah. but when we deal with Infrastructure Canada, we don't take it at face value, because the data is public. It's there, we know it, we can point to it. So one of the sources we get, and you were uh, talking about this earlier, is one of the reasons we exist is because uh, th- three, four, five years ago, the government decided to create this thing called Open Canada. So they unload data sets. Uh, by the bucketful, truckloads of it. And it's there and we just go in and crunch it. And but what we're telling you is some departments around infrastructure, the thirty only one of the thirty one are putting their data out there. Right. And so, so we just right. don't know on the end. And so it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah yeah. It just means we can't cross reference it. Like and more importantly, like we can any number of other projects.
0: And we don't know whether those infrastructure Projects because now they are under all these other departments are actually job creators. I mean, we know that gotcha. building a pipeline or, or a, a new part of highway number one would create a lot of jobs and in local, but if there's something at Border security or uh, agriculture Canada, which, which is employing two people to look at data or to look at a new program, that may not be having the function of infrastructure projects at all. Well, and exactly,
1: and the reason I jumped into this was that there, any government framework has a set of objectives. Right. So you first go in and search those. And the Senate committee's done two or three really good reports on this. And so the the infrastructure program, when it was announced and then expanded upon, twelve years, one hundred and eighty-eight billion dollars, had it made very clear. The goals and objectives are very clear. Uh, Long uh, long long-term jobs and added value—they're they're they're stated. And so then yes, and then you go back and you value. In some cases, baseball diamonds do that, right? Um, And they build community. So yeah, you can you can legitimize that. But in other cases, perhaps not. And we, and that's, but the data needs to be there to make those value judgments.
0: And sometimes the spending is not clear, like there might be uh, 50 projects in one province and 10 in another, okay. but those 10 are worth more.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: So yeah. Uh, Saskatchewan, I know, I, I think that, that we had a lot of projects, but the value was low, that, relatively exactly. speaking. And we've done assessment
1: on that, right? We've yeah. gone across. The other one, the classic, is, is the road, because I, I'm, I'm from Nova Scotia. The drive to Nova Scotia, you have to go through Quebec. Mm-hmm. Between Rivière du Loup and Edmondston is a highway that they've been working on since 2004. <laughs> What's bizarre about that highway, and not bizarre at all, but what it's telling <laughs> is 80% of the GDP for the Maritimes and perhaps even Newfoundland, so Atlantic Canada, goes down that road. And it's taken this long for them to yeah. build it. Like, could they not have moved infrastructure money around between New Brunswick? And, and gotten it built faster right. because you're talking about local economies. That's the type of decision and discussion that you can have when you pull this information up. It's really cool.
0: One of the things that always comes up in the course of discussions about infrastructure is private-public partnerships. And there's a series of issues there. I mean, obviously, it's very complicated right now. Um, but the other issue I want to raise is because foreign money often comes in. We've seen, I think, a sea change in the canadian mentality right now the canadian mindset i've you know my niece won't buy anything that's produced in china there's issues around this can we do this recovery this putting humpty dumpty back together again um and can we do it domestically these conversations that always come up we should be creating our own ppe we should be doing these our things domestically so that we've got control over it when a crisis hits can we do that do you know
1: we just do data man okay <laughs> but, but the answer to your question is uh, it has to be a blend and, yeah and uh, do we have the authority to comment on that we pay taxes like everyone else yeah we dig deep into this data um your niece has to be a little careful because she may never go to canadian tire again or walmart or anything uh, else yeah, like yeah. but canadian tire and we need people to go to canadian tire because yeah. they employ or employ an awful lot of people Yeah. Yeah. There is a hospital, and I'll bring this closer to home. There is a hospital being constructed in Cornerbrook.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yes, in Newfoundland, the western side of Newfoundland. It is a PPP, and I am—I have no idea the details of it. I can only assume there's foreign money coming into building yeah. that. You cannot close like you cannot somehow say that's bad, because that might be the only building that if anything we've discovered through COVID, that might be the only building going up in Newfoundland for a long time because they're in such a bad state of affairs.
0: This is the issue, so that that it's there for everyone. So I live in Saskatchewan. We'll talk about the non-funding of grain farmers throughout the whole uh, COVID chaos. There's been no direct money, only an extension of uh, access to credit. What farmers don't need is to be further in debt, uh, even though they might have a longer time to pay for it. We can't sell our canola, one of our major products and exports in Saskatchewan, to China. They've shut it down. We're having some other disagreements with China on a whole uh, range of, of things. How do we um, try and shepherd that recovery when there's so many things out of our control, like a country like China shutting down its purchasing? How, how can we manage these issues? Is there anything in there that's telling you what direction we should be going?
1: I was talking to an economist uh, in, in Nova Scotia and, uh, about this, about the Bank of Canada, and, and where this is going, and it gets back to your niece a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that there are two really, two winners right now going and coming out of COVID. Those, in the, and, and they should be applauded, those individuals who don't have tech. Now, unfortunately, it's a small number of people, as we know. The numbers tell us that. Right. But those individuals who save their money, put under the mattress, they are they're they're in a better position. Those people who have debt are going to have to get more debt, and that goes back to your very earlier question in this. So what? But back to what the economists and I were speaking about, and back to your niece who who's who who has this domestic perspective. Uh, coming at her. I mean, it comes down to if you have your own garden and you're tending your own affairs, you'll get through this. And if you mm-hmm. have the capacity to get your own, like it, it's yep. it's sustainable. To, but it, it it's going to be very complicated because when people say we're going to be in a V shape recovery mm-hmm. and we're going to what's the expression? Not explode out of this, or we're going to um, rebound with. Grief. Yes. The only way we can rebound is if we take on more debt. I I don't yeah. unless somebody finds and that was the purpose of this week's report we did, and and this is data. This yeah. I'm, we're not economists. I, we went we looked, and so it goes back to the volatility of small town budgets are based on property tax. Yeah, and if you have some insolvency, some layoffs,
0: right? That's my next point. The only way for government, you know, so we're all going to have to take on more debt, and government's taking on more debt, and really the only way to raise Some quick cash is tax, there's nobody left to tax if people aren't working, if they don't have jobs, if the municipalities can't, you know, they can't take blood from a stone. So um, we just go down this indebtedness road and say, good luck, generation four down from here. And here we are
1: in the basement of some building, having this discussion. (laughs) And the question is, why isn't this discussion being heard on every media outlet in the country? Why isn't it in the papers? instead of talking about debt ratios, instead of talking about the possibility of a V, we know there's no, it's a U recovery, it's a hockey stick recovery. Yeah. They, it, it's, about a month ago, and I watched, I'm a, I'm a, a a 60 minute CBS 60 Minutes mm-hmm. groupie, about uh, three or four weeks ago, they had the head of Ford, not the head of Ford Canada, but he's a Ford one of the Ford family, and he was vice president of X, I don't know, vice chair of the board, something. And he said, Politics is not going to settle this problem. Right. It's 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 science.
0: Yeah.
1: And there, this gentleman has a car in every every driveway, <laughs> and it, he's got more skin in the game than all of us. Right. Right. And and so I I don't know why are we not having a bigger discussion than the four of us right here. I, that's frustrating because the data is there and it's clear. And and we, as you have mentioned in the past, there's enough data.
0: This is I guess what we're going to try and do here um with no nonsense is kind of have this discussion uh here maybe it's just the small group of us now uh but to include more people because I uh, I think we haven't we haven't looked forward we're we're dealing in the present we're still playing the blame game about why this happened and all the things we could have done we need to look at that but i think more importantly we need to manage uh, where we're going really want to thank you both very much for uh Kicking off this conversation is really important.
2: Oh, it's our
1: pleasure. Yeah, it is very much. Thank you.
0: So this was our first test run, a pilot of our podcast. I want to thank Greg and Steve for the no-nonsense conversation. And I want to thank all of you for listening. The whole point of these no-nonsense conversations is to get out the truth, cut through some of the spin, and simplify the complicated. So if you like what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes.
2: I'm Pamela Wallen.